Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name's Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. As we journey through today, we are in Palm Sunday. This is the first day that kicks off Holy Week. Um, And as we already witnessed through uh, the procession uh, with our little ones and through the prayer and the song, um, we got a little bit of the background of Palm Sunday. Um, And I just kind of wanted to talk through it just a little bit to gain us a little perspective of where we are kind of in the timeline of Jesus's life. Uh, We're going to look at a story where Jesus has a conversation with a criminal. And this criminal is actually one who is hanging on a cross next to Jesus. But leading up to that is we have this procession where Jesus enters into Jerusalem, um, as Pastor Barbara mentioned, not on a large horse, a white stallion, but on a lowly donkey. Uh, And for that matter, a colt, which means a young donkey. Um, A lot of times this was common for political leaders and military leaders, whatever, to kind of showcase their might, a little bit to tout their their power. Um, What you saw kind of in the fanfare and everything else like that was meant to be an example of what um, they actually had in physical, military, social power. Um, But Jesus did not come riding in on a war horse like some of the other leaders, but rather on a donkey, proclaiming his way of peace. And as we journey through this week, we know that he eventually got to the Thursday, Maundy Thursday, where he had the Last Supper with his friends, the disciples, and then ultimately was captured and then convicted to be hung on a cross where he was crucified. And that leads us up to where he then has a conversation with this criminal on the cross. And he says some words to this criminal on the cross. He kind of makes a promise to him, if you will. He says, today, you will be with me in paradise. And as we think about that word paradise, I want you all to play along with me if you're willing. Uh, If you've had enough coffee and you're able to do so, to close your eyes and stay awake. Um, It won't be too long. Um, But when I say the words paradise, what comes to mind? Are you in a place that has physical features that set it apart? Are there palm trees? Are are you on a beach somewhere? Maybe you hear waves crashing. Maybe you're in the mountains somewhere. Snow is coming down. You can hear the snow hitting the roof as you drink your coffee or your hot cocoa or your warm tea next to a fireplace. Maybe you're in a valley somewhere. Not only can you feel the wind rushing through, but you can also hear it through the leaves through the grass, through the branches. Maybe this is more of a state of mind. You just finished a really long work week or a really long task at your house. You have no Zoom meetings scheduled. Life is good. Maybe you just got a good diagnosis for something that has been troubling you. You got that phone call. Everything checks out. Maybe it's the people you're with. Friends, family, children, 
spouses. Maybe it's an event or a time in your life. Maybe it's just your children were just born. Maybe it's Christmas morning when you were a child. Whatever it may be, think about that when Jesus promises those words to a criminal who's convicted of this crime, saying, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have come, that you entered into the city on a donkey, and that your way is a way of peace. May we carry that with us not only today and this holy week, but for the rest of our lives as we constantly seek after you, knowing that you are constantly seeking after us. God, I pray that my words would preach your good news, your love, and if necessary, you speak in spite of me. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So as we've been journeying through uh, the Gospel of Luke in our sermon series, including the excluded, we're nearing the end. We're in the 23rd chapter at this point. There's 24 total chapters, so you know we're getting close to the final moments of Jesus' time here on earth. And as we get to this point, we know that there are two criminals, and we're actually going to use a little bit of help from some of the other Gospels to enrich this story. However, it is only the Gospel of Luke that gives us the conversation that occurs with this criminal. You'll find the words up on the screen here. We'll start with verse 32, or sorry, yes, verse 32 in the 23rd chapter. It says this, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, or Jesus. When they came to a place called the Skull, or Golgotha, Calvary, our other names for it, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was even fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we've been looking at these stories in the Gospel of Luke, and one of the things that I love about Scripture is that there's so much to it. There's so much richness to it, especially when you compare it to other parts of the Scripture. And as Pastor Chris has done in the previous weeks, as we looked at the stories of Zacchaeus, the man with leprosy, the man possessed by demons, we can see that there are levels to these stories. There are levels at which these people are basically excommunicated from society, and this criminal is no different. But as we look just at first glance at these words that are used for criminal, if we look at the word that is used in the Gospel of Luke, we see that this means a person or those who do evil works. 
We don't know what exactly that means, but we know there's some type of evil that is occurring. So probably two other people, I'm guessing, this is not just something that they do on their own, but other people are affected by the crimes that they have committed. And as I mentioned, we're going to use some of the other Gospels to help give us some more context, specifically Matthew and Mark in this case. They give us the term that means armed robbers. So this is not just petty theft. This is not just going into a convenience store and maybe you know, pocketing a candy bar or something like that. There's violence that occurs when these criminals take their actions. When I was a younger kid, um, my mom had taken me. We were journeying uh, just around town, and she had to make a quick stop at the Christian bookstore. And I went with her, and I went in. And as I did most times when I went in the Christian bookstore, I went over to the music section. I was young. I was a little bit rebellious. And any chance to listen to some good music, I took uh, I went ahead and I did so. And there's one specific band I loved called Five Iron Frenzy. Have any of y'all heard of that band before? It's an older ska band. Um, actually, just found out Pastor Chris and I both went to their final concert in 2003 in West Palm Beach. Uh, we were both fans of this band. I was listening to Five Iron Frenzy, but there was actually another band I also like called MXPX, kind of one of the first like Christian like punk bands, if you will. Well, they had some stickers that were sitting next to the CDs, and I thought, free stickers. Could this be paradise? So I grabbed the stickers, and I stuck them in my Jinko pockets way down into the very bottom, and I left the store. And later that night, I'm at Chili's with my parents, and I'm thinking, I got these cool stickers. I got to show my parents. So I pull these stickers out. Bam! Mom, Dad, look at these cool stickers I got. And sure enough, as I could see, or they could see the front of the stickers, I could see the back of the stickers where the price tag was. And I'm thinking, I'm, that's it. I'm destined for a life of crime. Uh, not only am I stealing, I'm stealing from the Christian bookstore. Um, I'm, I'm in it at this point. Well, then panic set in, and I told my mom, I was like, Mom, I stole from the Christian bookstore. She said, don't worry, you didn't know, we'll go back and we'll pay for them. Thankfully, I'm not destined for a life of crime. Um, but that's not what this was. These were not just, you know, stealing stickers or candy bars or anything else like that. These were armed robbers where violence was involved. This is also the word that is used in the story of the Good, Tamer Good Samaritan, where the man is walking down the street, Jesus tells the story, and then he gets beaten and robbed and essentially left for dead. So this is the depth in which these criminals went to and this is what they were convicted for. There's more, though. Next, we also know that these criminals were sentenced to crucifixion, which were some criteria that had to be met, first of which you had to be a non-Roman citizen. Crucifixion was a cruel, cruel punishment. However, in a slightly twist in the story, there was a slight soft spot for Roman citizens to have more of a quick death. Crucifixion was saved for those where it was meant to be drawn out and dragged out. So we know this about the gentlemen. They were non-Roman citizens. And then we also know that somewhere they had to try to defy Rome. Just as Jesus was the one who was proclaimed to overthrow the Roman powers, these men also were doing something in their criminal history that saw them as being convictable to try to overthrow Rome. Some people even mentioned that they could be called revolutionaries, as we see, and as actually we will see in some of the later texts and other Gospels, but even some people consider them to be terrorists of some type. But 
there's more. Using our context and looking at the other Gospels, we can see that these men, both of which actually were involved in the mockery and the ridiculing of Jesus, both of which joined in on the mockery. If we look at Mark first, we see this text. This is 1532. It says, even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Matthew says the same thing. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. So not only were these criminals sentenced to death, we also know that they joined in on the mockery. But even in all of this, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, where and when and what caused this criminal to change his mind? Where did he have a change in heart hanging on this cross next to Jesus? You know, the mockery had ensued, and as we see, Jesus not only didn't fight back, but even offered forgiveness. When I was playing sports younger, a lot of the times our coaches would say, fight fire with fire, or beat them at their own game. Usually this would occur when the other team was maybe being a little bit aggressive, maybe they were calling you names, or whatever it may be. But Jesus didn't do that, even so much so that he even offered forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Was that what caused the criminal to change his mind? Was that what caused the change in heart? Maybe because of these events, it jogged the criminal's memory so much so to think about some of his own friends who Jesus' life had changed. Maybe he started thinking back, maybe this is the guy that they were talking about that ate with sinners and criminals. Maybe this is the one that offers new life. Maybe this is the one, the true Son of God, as he claims to be. Whatever it may be, we ultimately know that this man, this criminal, recognized Jesus to be the Son of God. And when that happens, in that moment, Jesus offers him salvation. And salvation comes to the criminal by recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. A little bit earlier in Luke, we see Jesus reference himself as the Son of Man, and he kind of gives his personal mission statement which is to seek and to save those who are lost. And as we see here being played out in real time, as Jesus has been beaten and flogged and whipped and is hanging on a cross with his last breath, he is still continuing his mission, still striving towards his goal of seeking those who are lost and to save them. But Jesus even offers more than just this salvation, just that quick glance, there's levels to this salvation that Jesus offers as well. The first part about this is in the words of the criminal we can look to. When the criminal reaches out, he says, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And this is more than just, hey, take me with you. Here's a photograph of myself. If you could just tuck it away when you're in you know, a better place than I, just think about me every so often. But rather, this is a saving. We can look back into the Old Testament where we see the same language used, where God not only saved Abraham, but he also saved Noah. In Genesis 8.1, we see these words, But God remembered Noah 
and all the wild animals and the livestock with him on the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. We can easily slide in the word save here, seeing that it means the same thing. So this criminal says, Jesus, save me. Save me from this life that I know I'm destined for. Save this from this pit of death. Because criminal knows what he deserves. He says that. We deserve this death. He says that to the other criminal. But he still offers that to Jesus. Save me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus does. And Jesus says, today you will be with me. Which is another key part of this. Jesus offers this salvation to this criminal in real time. He doesn't say in two days, in two weeks, two years. He says today. And if we overlook what Jesus can do in our lives in the immediate reality, we overlook a huge part of what Jesus has to offer each and every one of us. Jesus offers us new life and salvation here and now. And that is something we can live into. And he offers it. But if we only look to the afterlife, like I said, we miss out on a huge portion of all that Jesus has to offer with us. We also miss out on seeing that Jesus offers himself to be with us. There's a story of a doctor who would make house calls when this was a little bit more appropriate of time. And these house calls sometimes would take a little bit longer than others. And so he would bring his dog with him. Well, out of respect, a lot of the times he would just leave the dog outside, just figuring, you know, this patient, sick, probably a little bit unstable, you know, got a lot going on. I don't want to mess that up by bringing my dog. So he'd leave his dog outside, enters into this one patient's house, you know, he's working with the patient, he's talking to him, and I think the patient kind of starts to grasp the reality of what's happening, knowing that they're kind of near the end of life. And with that, probably knowing that this doctor is pretty common or, you know, you know, normally coming into contact with people who are ending their life. So the patient asks and says, Doc, I'm nervous, I'm scared, I know that my days are numbered. What's it going to be like? What's this heaven going to be all about? And as the doctor continues to work on this patient, you know, he can hear his dog scratching, you know, his dog's outside, and he's continuing to work on this patient, but a man of faith, he stops and he says, you hear that noise? You hear that scratching? That's my dog. He has no clue what's beyond that door. It could be full of cats for all he knows. But he knows one thing. He knows that I'm in here. And that's enough for him. Despite what he knows about the rest of the world outside that door, he knows that I'm in here and that's enough for him to want to be in here as opposed to out there. And that's an offering that Jesus not only offers to the criminal, but offers to us as well. And the last part about this is Jesus honors the criminal. When he says, you will be with me in paradise, this is taken from the word that was used with garden. Back in this day, kings had lavish gardens. That was their pride and joy. Here's an example of one of the gardens of an Assyrian king. You can see there's water, there's wild animals, it's lush, it's lavish. It is a bit of paradise, if you will. Probably pretty opposite of what my garden at home looks like. If I were to show you my garden, you'd be like, what did I do wrong? But in this time, kings would honor guests and people with taking them to their garden so that they could experience all the luxury and all the extraordinary gifts and the views and the sights and the splendor of this garden. 
And that's what Jesus offers to this criminal. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in God's garden, and you will get to experience all the splendor that God has to offer. You will be honored. You will be lifted up. And thinking about, thinking back on this, to a criminal convicted to death, only moments left, where Jesus recognizes him, remembers him, and honors him. If Jesus does that for this criminal with his dying breath, what can the resurrected Jesus do for us? In our lives, today, here and now, what can Jesus do for us? I think not only will Jesus remember us, Jesus will be with us, but I think Jesus can also honor us. And that is really, really good news. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we get to celebrate who you are, your being, your character, your mission, which is to seek and to save those who are lost. And as we read specifically in the story about a criminal, we see how deep your love goes for all of us. God, as we reflect on this holy week and what this means to us, may we, may we remember and see your goodness that constantly looks out for us, constantly finds us, and lifts us up. For it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.